0: The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Convert your rugby skills into two free tickets to the six nations in Rome. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today and take part in their conversion challenge. Just two minutes from Junction 3 at the M74.
1: Wednesday evening, Rocksport Radio, that means it's time for me, Lewis Stewart, with this week's edition of The Line Out, your guide to everything that is going on in Scottish rugby. And just at the moment, this programme is coming to you from Japan. So, konichiwa to everybody out there in Scotland, where presumably you will all be delighted to know that the team representing you at the World Cup is in a much happier frame of mind than this week than it was the last time I brought you this programme seven days ago. After all, having lost their opening game to Ireland, and it wasn't so much the result as the way they played that really upset them, they have gone on to produce a much better performance against Samoa and came away with a 34 points to nil win, which revives their World Cup hopes and assuming that they go on to beat Russia next week as most people would expect and pick up a bonus point in that match as well, then it sets up the winner-takes-all clash with Japan that we have been expecting pretty much since the draw was made a couple of years ago. That is going to be some occasion. We all remember how lucky Scotland were the last time they came to Japan particularly in the second test which uh, they were trailing for long periods before Greg Laidgall came off the bench to rescue them and with 70,000-odd Japanese fans going absolutely wild. And I don't know if you saw the island game, but the way that the fans got into the match certainly had an influence on the game, and I felt it also had an influence on the Irish players who were not used to playing in that sort of absolutely raucous atmosphere. It's one of those, if there had been a roof on the stadium, like there was when Scotland played against Samoa, then I doubt if it could have survived the experience of that kind of volume being generated inside the stadium. It was as good an atmosphere as I've ever experienced at a rugby match and Scotland can expect much the same if not more uh, when they head to Yokohama for the final game. However, First things first, before that, they can even think about Japan, they have got to negotiate their match with Russia in Shizuoka on Wednesday next week, just a few hours before I'll be back with you with next week's programme. Before we start looking at that, however, time for a quick review of what happened on Monday. Starting with Gregor Townsend's immediate reaction to the performance and that 34 0 win. Well,
2: that, that was a true reflection of, of who we are, and what we're capable of, uh, and what Play for Scotland means for these players. That was a tough challenge that they had to rise up and, and face knowing that if we underperformed we, we were at the World Cup. And we're playing a very dangerous team, so to, to see the effort, the togetherness was, was excellent. And look, last week we did miss the beginning of the game, and I take responsibility of not preparing the team well enough to, to start well against Ireland. Um, but that doesn't make us a, a bad team or makes the players not not putting huge effort in every time they played for Scotland, uh, so it's great to see them get the reward for that
1: effort and apart from getting the win which was obviously the most important thing, they also achieved two other important feats, one was that they did claim four tries and got the scoring bonus point which is absolutely key to keeping them in the competition and in terms of an ego boost, they were we became the first team in World Cup history to prevent Samoa from scoring a try against them and when you consider that the last two games against Samoa they've conceded 11 tries then you realise just what a feat that was as uh, Gregor Townsend was more than happy to point out
2: Yeah that's a real credit to the players and also Matt Taylor our defence coach who does a fantastic job week in week out he uh, he puts defense systems in place, but he also motivates uh, the players to defend, and tonight they defended with real passion, right? to get off the line and, and put big hits on some very big men, and to do it time and time again, knock, knock the confidence of the small carriers. Uh, they're a very dangerous team, and they still cause uh, us some problems right at the end. But to see the effort on that last line of ball, and then a few phases in defence—I uh, don't know who got the the jackal penalty, probably Jamie Ritchie—and uh, made a few in the game uh, was outstanding.
1: In fact, the whole back row was very impressive the whole way through the game, with Magnus Bradbury carrying through Samoan tacklers the first three times he got the ball, Blake Thompson making an impact in wide channels, and as Townsend said, Jamie Ritchie just absolutely outstanding. Johnny Gray got the man of the match, but if it had been up to me, I would have given it to Jamie which was vindication for Townsend who had changed the entire back row from the island game to the Samoa one. Of course we all know Hamish Watson has had to go home with a knee injury so one of those replacements Jamie Ritchie coming in as a straight life for like Swap was forced on him but the other two were selection choices and he will feel undoubtedly that the whole unit blended brilliantly and completely played up to all his expectations.
2: Jamie Ritchie had an outstanding game To think that he could have missed the World Cup with uh, the injury got and in. cheekbone three or four weeks ago to come back from surgery to, to play like he did shows what an exceptional player he is but also his, his character uh, Ma- Maggie Magnus gave a really good go forward, hit hard in the tackle uh, and fronted up physically against some, some big men and Blade like he's done so far, for, uh, for us in the Scotland career, just did the, the little things really well. So we made good decisions, technically very good, whether it's line outs, catch and restarts at the base of the scrum, linking with forwards and backs, so yeah, we were really pleased with the back row, but also the whole pack. There was a lot of scrums, a lot of malls tonight, with the front five worked very
1: hard. Gregor Townsend there on his forward effort which undoubtedly laid the platform for the tries but for Jamie Ritchie in particular it was a wonderful experience to come into the team and show what he was capable of although he did admit there was a certain amount of pressure when they had the two tries
3: at half time to turn that into the bonus point we talked about winning the game first, and then when we got the opportunity, we'd look for the four tries. Um, I think once we were 20 all up at half time, we kind of got mentioned in the sheds, and we talked about maybe not going for points as much and trying to get those tries. But um, nah, I think. We looked like scoring a lot more than we actually did score. I think so. It bodes well, and the ball was extremely slippery there. It, it was hard to get going, so we did well.
1: And for Richie, the encouraging thing was that it laid a platform on which they can build,
3: particularly looking ahead to the game against Japan. We need to back up this performance with another good performance, but I think that to nil them especially I think that's the first time Simone haven't scored in a World Cup match so for that, to, to, for us to have that stat is huge for us and um, defence is going to be a huge part of our, our game going forward and I think especially against Japan you saw what they did to how they played against Ireland so if we can defend like we did tonight I think um, hopefully it'll be a great game it's a big game for us it's a really important game for us if we want to get further in this tournament so yeah we'll be watching them and they're the hosts so you want to you want to beat them uh, you saw how they wanted to play. They, they like to play an expansive game, and if you can slow that up, then it'll be a huge part of that game. But we want to play expansively as well, so hopefully, it'll be a good game of rugby.
1: Jamie Ritchie relishing the prospect of facing Japan in Yokohama, which is going to be a huge game for the immediate future of Scottish rugby. Like most of his teammates, he did sit down and watch the Japanese play Ireland last week, and admit that it was a slightly strange experience.
3: Oh, I mean, it's one of those things you have no control over, so um, and it's a strange feeling what an Ireland to win. But I mean, we just can we can control what we can control, and fair fair play to Japan—they turn them over. And I mean, it's great for the tournament. Obviously, the host nation turning over a big team like Ireland, number one team in the world. Um, so for us, it's about when we get the opportunity to play against me, perform performer me to turn them over.
1: Jamie Ritchie feeling reasonably optimistic I think about that game against Japan but even he acknowledges that they are going to have to get the rub of the green if Japan play anything like they did against Ireland but they did get the rub of the green against Samoa in some ways that uh, the two penalty tries in the second half so the fifth time that a World Cup game has had to penalty tries, and they were both I felt correct decisions from the referee, but in neither case did the referee actually go to the TMO looking for a penalty try. It was only after they reviewed the footage that he realised that Samoa had infringed in a way that prevented the try being scored, and there's a certain amount of doubt, at least in Samoan minds, with the second of them, whether Ed Fido's collision with Sean Maitland came before or after Maitland had lost control of the ball. Stitched on penalty, but of course if he'd already lost the ball, it wouldn't have been, shouldn't have been, a penalty try. So Maitland himself admits that he was a
4: somewhat relieved person. I just thought um, I'd, I'd slide in uh, you know, for the second try, but um, I probably, yeah, probably dived a bit too early uh, to be honest, and uh, and it wasn't until I seen the replay as well. Then I sort of realised, oh, could obviously didn't use his arms and came off the knee. So um, I sort of knew that the refs were looking at that penalty try. Um, and luckily, yeah, luckily we, we obviously we, we've got the we've got the reward. So yeah, to get the bonus point. Yeah, we would have probably scored anyway. So I just thought I would slide in, but forgetting that this ground's you know like sandpaper. I'm <laughs> uh, not in the UK anymore uh, and is a bit dry here obviously it didn't look dry I was sweating I don't know what you guys were thinking but tough, tough tough conditions man And am
1: sure Maitland is certainly right there even sitting in the stands you were sweating like nobody's business it was that hot and humid if he had got there, it would have been Maitland's second try since he had also opened the scoring for Scotland. So, how grateful was he to be on the end of that kick pass from Finn Russell? Um,
4: that whole sort of build-up to that try was was really good. You know, our kicking game, especially in that first half, we, we put them under a lot of pressure, and um, that lead-up to that try was good. You know, I was, I was sort of calling it for a while, and I was just. Surprised that they didn't really see me. Um, I was there for about 10 seconds, I'll probably Big think. But, yeah, Finn, you know, Finn being Finn, you know, he's puts it on the money and, uh, um, yeah, I'll finish it, so. The
0: Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Jet off to Rome next year to watch Italy v Scotland. Score two free tickets to the Six Nations at Motorpoint Glasgow. Just two minutes from Junction 3 off the M74.
1: And in many ways, it was a special game for Sean Maitland. Not only did he get a try, nearly get another one. He had a fantastic performance all round. He's strong in the air, breaking tackles, chasing well, which may not have gone down so well on Samoa itself where he has got family connections. His grandfather emigrated to New Zealand from Samoa and so he would actually have been qualified to play for them if he had so wished. With his cousin Pelly Cowley on the bench on the other side, it meant it was all a bit of a family reunion not just out on the pitch but there was plenty of support for both of them in the stands as well. Although we did wonder how popular that will have made him in the islands and with the Samoan part of his family.
4: Look, you know, uh, I was part of the, the team against uh, Samoa against uh, last World Cup, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing new to me, lads. Yeah. It's a given you know, him that one, just it? business, you know. <laughs> got the win, so um, it was great. Yeah, it was great that my cousin got on, and he played well when he came on. I thought he added a bit of tempo to their game, and. Uh, yeah, it was just a great moment, just being with the family after the game and uh,
1: yeah, it was special. A great day for Sean Maitland, for himself as an individual, for himself as part of a team and as a part of a family to complete the set. But he does know there is more serious stuff still to come. They do have to play Russia next week, and then four days later they play Japan in that make-or-break game, which, amongst other things, means that it's going to cause all sorts of... Problems for the coaches who are going to have to work out how they can guarantee the bonus point against Russia and still keep enough players fresh to lay down a challenge to Japan in what is likely to be one of the most vibrant games any of them have ever played in. So, for Gregor Townsend, how does he solve the puzzle?
2: Japan and Ireland are still able to get the pool. Uh, we have to win our next two games and pick at least one bonus point up in those games, potentially two. But we'll see what happens at the weekend. Japan have a good rest into their game against Samoa. Samoa have a quick turnaround. And we have an even quicker turnaround against Japan when we play them in a couple of weeks' time. So we're going to look at the next 10, 11 days as preparation for both Russia and Japan. And we have to build towards a game plan that can get us maximum points against Russia, but also beat Japan. Suppose if, if you're a class half full person, you see it as a really exciting challenge, and one you can't wait to take on. If you're glass half empty, then it is a scary challenge. And We will look at that optimistically. The atmosphere at the Ireland-Japan game was outstanding. We know what it's going to be like at Yokohama. We, 70,000 Japanese supporters behind the team, but there will be a few Scots in there too and the bigger the challenge, the, the more that brings out in the team, so that's, in the future we still have to make sure that we deliver a performance against Russia.
1: Greg Town said on how he plans to tackle the challenge of facing Japan and Russia just four days apart. And it's a game that I do plan to have a look at in the second part of the programme. But first, something I've been meaning to do for quite a while. This is the third programme that I've produced from Japan and so far the demands of the rugby schedule have meant that I haven't really had the chance to go into what the World Cup means to Japan how the Japanese are reacting to the World Cup and tell you anything about what it's like to be here with the World Cup in Japan so to help me do that I enlisted the help of Kaori Fukuoka who is the head of the Sports Promotion Department here in Kobe where Scotland are currently based and also obviously as a result where I am currently as well. Now unfortunately Kaori doesn't actually speak English to the extent that allows her to do an interview so the voice you will hear for most of it is her interpreter Max Finn but nevertheless you'll hear her in the background. Obviously enough we started by talking about how important
5: the World Cup was to Japan.
6: I think that
5: uh, it's very important. It is known as one of the top three world sports, And in addition, it is the first of its kind in Asia, and so we look at it as a very good opportunity for people to want to come to Japan. We're looking at it as very important as an event here
1: how many people in japan know about knew about rugby before this and knew about the sport you know the before this was awarded to japan
6: i know So
5: we've actually been taking a survey of the public awareness for rugby for the past couple of years in the lead up to the Rugby World Cup. And with uh, Kobe in particular, two to three years ago we found that on average around 50% of the public was aware of rugby and the World Cup in general. Um, But now, as of uh, January of this year, we found that number had boosted all the way up to 80%. So, yeah, it's shot up in quite a short
6: amount of time. Um, And
5: as an additional point, uh, in Japan in general, in terms of sports that are well known, Rugby was never a major sport, really. Um, we had baseball and soccer as two particularly big ones up until now, um, but by having the World Cup and having that as something being hosted in Japan, um, it really helped to, I guess, gain additional awareness and particularly um, people have started to more appreciate the Japanese teams, um, Kobe in particular uh, as a city that has its port open to the outside world and has like a lot of um, Western influence. Uh, rugby as well came in through um, some of the people that came to live here in Colby from overseas. And so as a result of that, we even have things like the Corbe Regatta and Athletics Club, which is a uh, r- rugby sports club which is left over from more than 100 years ago. Um, And uh, Kobelco Steelers, which is the um, Kobe rugby team, is also very well known and is the uh, top team in Japan at this point in time I believe and so Kobe is yeah. really well linked team to that Dan, Dan Kato played for
4: ah,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> Dan Kata, yeah. yeah. we know about the Kobe Steelers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so what have you been doing to promote Kobe to the rugby population because obviously a lot of people have come into Japan mm. what have you been doing to promote Kobe to them
6: <laughs> so Kobe has for a while now know. been
5: known as a rugby orientated city, a place to enjoy rugby and so going on from that um, we've really done our best to I guess bring forward a sort of sense of hospitality to let people come and experience and enjoy rugby and so we have a fan zone We have a fan zone set up at the moment for the Rugby World Cup, and if you go there, you're able to have something of a rugby experience. You can try out tackling and catching rugby balls, things like that. Um, And in addition to that, we have also have some of the rugby teams that have come to stay in Colby for their matches go and meet up with um, the students at elementary schools for... Uh, like rugby training sessions and see how the game is played. Um, And then just more in general, um, Kobe is a port town. It's got a very, I guess, sort of beautiful scenery and visual appeal to it um, with mountains on one side and the ocean on the other. Um, So we really are pushing that as like a beautiful place to come and visit. Um, We also have the uh, Kobe beef, as everyone (laughs) goes on about. Um, So that is for sure being um, in appeal as well. And yeah, we just, um, there's a lot of people in particular from Europe that are coming in this particular instance, and so we want to do our best um, to, I guess, show them Kobe and how it's been influenced by that area. And yeah, so it's, it's been a really great time.
1: So how much are you hoping that people who have come and visited this time for the Rugby will come back For holidays, just to explore the place
6: properly. I feel like um, obviously,
5: (laughs) this particular time, a lot of the people that are coming to visit are here to support their teams, and so we suspect that they will be moving around with their teams to different parts of Japan over the course of the Rugby World Cup. So their time in Kobe might be a little bit limited, Um, and as such, we will. Would really love if they would come back again um, in a more relaxed. Uh, well, I suppose this is still relaxed, but in a more um, general kind of uh, situation. And so, I mean, outside of what we've already put on display, we have um, many like famous hot springs. The Arima Onsen is renowned for being quite old and uh, just generally beautiful and lovely to be in. Um, And as much as I'm sure this time people have been very big into the beer uh, side of things, we also have a place called Nada no Sake. 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 Nada no Sake, which is um, basically like a local and traditional osake brewery Mm -hmm. for Japanese spirits. It's responsible for producing like a quarter of all of Japan's spirits. and so it's another place that we often recommend. Um, Am I right in thinking the Kirin Brewery is around here somewhere as well?
6: 本社? あの、oh.
5: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we it, we do indeed have a Canadian facility here yeah. that um, brews their beer, so um, for sure, we oh, also... The million-dollar
1: question, obviously, for rugby fans is, is there any real danger of running out of
6: beer? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: we we did definitely get the memo <laughs> that there would be a lot of beer drinkers <laughs> coming into college um, but thankfully as a result of that memo we have done a lot of pre preparation and we have massive stockpiles of beer and thankfully at this stage we have no reports of anywhere running out How, has, how do you feel it's been going? Has it been a success? If we feel it's been a tremendous success so far um, the stadium for our part of the Rugby World Cup Kobe Misaki Stadium it has a capacity of a approximately 30,000 people and we found that for the two matches that we've had so far, um, we've been pretty much at full capacity both times and the people that are coming to watch it have also been excellent and before the matches and after the matches we found that they're travelling around, they're participating in events either ones we've set up ourselves or the ones that are just going on in general Um, really having a proper experience here in Japan and just enjoying the things that we've got around and, you know, participating in our food culture as well. So it's been really great. That's a Scott.
1: Making the Irish miserable is always a good thing. But <laughs> 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 how yes. much does that match energised Japan and sort of this area?
6: I was there. Um, Kaori
5: was there. And um, when, it, when it was decided, when it finished, everyone jumped up, they were, wild cheers, everything. I opened up Twitter afterwards and within like nine seconds of it finishing people were just after one after another putting up posts of like, we did it, we won, congratulations. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really big moment I think for Japan there, yeah, definitely.
6: So I
5: mean, going into the match, um, this as is an aside. Uh, there wasn't a huge sense of like we can do this. Um, we, you know, it was, it was sort of expected that Ireland would be yeah. winning. Um, but then partway through, you know, you got to the point where the score flipped over, and everyone in the crowd just started to be like wait, could we, is this, do we have a chance? (laughs) And so people were just glued to the screen, it was really getting in there, and then just, it happened, and yeah, it was was really like a giant killing, actually, you know, happening, so it was
1: crazy. So, to keep the excitement going, do you have to beat Scotland? Mm
5: だと <laughs> May perhaps be wearing a Japanese jersey, (laughs) Uh, but for sure Um, she thinks no. um, Like both sides, it's going to be a very serious Mm -hmm. match. They're going to be putting their all in, and so however it goes, um, it's going to be a super valuable match. Um, Definitely Mm -hmm. one not to miss. So really looking forward to it. So how much have you enjoyed the
1: whole experience of the World Cup, and how much has it brought to Kobe in particular, but
5: Japan in (laughs)
6: general?
5: a rugby town as we mentioned um, and of course it has massive influence from the outside world um, owing to its port town status Um, so we've already had like this sort of I guess international vibe to the community Um, you know you see a much more diverse populace around but having the Rugby World Cup start and just to see the sheer number of people that have come from all over the world um, it's really put this extra little bit of like shine on the town you just see so lively in the shopping streets everywhere around and so you know for me or for, Ka- for Kaori personally like just in the lead up to all of this just plenty of things in her imagination of like how she wanted to like have things come together like oh we surely won't we'll be able to make that happen but then it all actually came together and it's just it's really been like a dream And so, yeah, having all of these matches come and then all of the people come to see them, I feel like it's really meaningful work. Um, And another thing that we haven't talked a huge deal about, but um, Japan as a country that is somewhat afflicted by natural disasters, um, like These kind of events really help in the recovery on a societal and social level and this in particular like um, Kobe is also a place that was in the past affected by natural disaster and so things like this just really help to bring a whole new spin to things and make everyone like full of vigor and it's just it's really wonderful. I know you have plenty of
1: Scottish links around Kobe, but can you tell me how a city like this comes to have its
5: own Tartan? Um, yeah, so the story with Kobe Tartan is basically a uh, a tailor for, um, you know, Western-style clothing uh, a while back, he sat down and decided he wanted to think of like an image design for Colby that really represented its, you know, I guess, unique location or stuff. And so, I mean, in this case, it's got the strong hint of blue accents, you know, representing the ocean, and then the port, port tower, which is red, is running through in stripes as well, um, and the general nature scenery. And um, actually, it has been officially registered in the what's this? The, the Scottish Register. Register of Tartans, which is a very fancy sounding thing, so that's a wonderful connection there as well. And um, yeah, it's it's numerous different goods that use this and um, yeah, it's a strong Colby representative thing. The person who came up with it potentially had been thinking of it for quite a while, but in terms of when it came into being like majorly used was only really a couple of years back. Um, so it represents like a modern Kobe. Um, the port tower, of course, has not been around forever. So it would make sense to some degree, but the port of Kobe was opened up to the, I guess the rest of the world um, around 150 years ago. And so, yeah, from then on, there's just been this slow incorporation of all sorts of different things from overseas. And now we have Kobe Tartan as well. The voice of Max Finn there, Finishing off the thoughts of Kaori Fukuoka, the head
1: of the Sports Promotion Department at the Kobe City Council, and of course you may have gathered in the middle of that the really important information from the point of view of the Scottish fans who are out here is the official assurance that there is no possibility at all of them running out of beer, however hard they try. The stockpiles have been put in place. That's it for the first half of the programme Time for an ad break And I'll be back in the second half With that look ahead at the Russia game That I promised Thursdays at 8pm
0: F1, Rally, Formula E Touring cars And MotoGP The motorsport season is well and truly underway And Rock Sport Radio Is already spinning wheels And burning rubber Andy Alston and Adam Todd Are on the starting grid every Thursday from 8pm to bring you news and comments on Pole Position a petrol head's dream try a lap or two with the guys Pole Position on Rock Sport Radio
7: Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch Your son opening the door of his first home Visitors arriving at your guest house Friends coming over to watch the football Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages so we can turn this into this Scottish Building Society We've been helping people open doors since 1848 Call us today on 0345 600 4085 Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority
0: They've had your money long enough Now's the time to act If a bank like Lloyd's or the Halifax persuaded you to move your savings and you lost out don't miss this opportunity to get your money back Text GOOD to 6677 and Goodwin Barrett could help you recover money you thought had gone for good. Don't miss out. Text GOOD to 6677 now.
8: Goodwin
0: now. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the Financial Ombudsman. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out, if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer... Or you're having trouble with your waterworks. Do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint Glasgow. Just get the ball over the post at Motorpoint Glasgow's Conversion Challenge to win two tickets to the Six Nations find them just two minutes from Junction 3 off the M74.
1: And welcome back to the second part of the line-out. And if you were here before the break, you will remember that I was promising you a review of the game against Russia. And I'm going to turn to Greg Laidlaw, the former captain, to help me conduct it. And we started off talking about how much that Samoa game represents the blueprint for how Scotland can succeed in this World Cup in games to come.
7: I think it was definitely up to terms of uh, probably sort of complete performance in one sense in terms of you know we never scored probably too early in the game but the way we stuck to what, what we were doing what was putting Samuel under pressure and that was a kicking game in, in our defence um, and, and that was a pleasing point we never tried to go and chase the game down too early which, which was the message but there's one thing talking about it and there's another thing executing it so I think that we need to use that. Um, um, Model going forward uh, for I thing for the rest of the tournament. And each game is going to be different, and uh, you know the next one's uh, against Russia. And Russia have been impressive so far in the tournament, so we've got to get our game right. Russia have been good so far in this tournament. I think everybody's been impressed by them, and, and so are we. Uh, so that patience is going to be uh, vitally important for uh, you know for the boys that are selected in, in the 23. It's uh, it's uh, whoever, as I say whoever gets that opportunity, opportunities. It's going to be vitally important to to get that performance right and, and give us momentum going in that last game as well.
1: Greg Laidlaw, the key being not to panic if the scores don't come early on and Russia have been in most of their games for about an hour or so then just keep plugging away knowing that superior technique and fitness should do the job in the end after all with all the resources that have been plowed in to making the so-called minnows better giving them long camps before the World Cup starts and all that goes into that then there really aren't the same minnows that there used to be in the tournament. The days of the hundred plus point hammerings seem to have gone. The biggest win so far this campaign has been South Africa over Namibia, which just passed 60 points. Remember the days with 145 nil? Not anymore. The teams that are supposed to be coming up through the system do actually seem to be coming up through the system.
7: Each team I think now is, is getting better and better. Um, some of the results we've already seen in, in this World Cup and it just shows you if, you if you're not in your game you're going to be put under pressure. And so um, we need to perform well um, when the game comes round. How tricky is this week,
1: HB, because obviously you've got Russia coming up next but all everybody's talking about is the Japan game.
7: Oh, it's, it's that's fairly easy for us because we simply have a job to do first and foremost um, against Russia so we, we can't look past that uh, we've got the really nail that game and if we nail that game and we take t- two good games um, or momentum going forward in the, in the last game against Japan, it's, it's going to be a, a tough ball. they played extremely well against Ireland, um, but uh, for, for now it's about constructing the match against Russia and then once the Japanese game comes around we'll, we'll get on in that.
1: you any possibility of a player playing two games in four days?
7: Sorry, l- in that. modern rugby, given the intensity
1: that you are putting into the game, is there any way you can play four,
7: two games in four days? Oh, I think you, you're you going to be tired if, if that was the case. Uh, I think, but you know we've got an excellent squad here uh, as well, so and it's going to take a squad effort um, and now for us to, to to get two strong performances and, and get through. So um, that's um, going to be vitally important, I think. We've got boys that are hungry to play, um, but, you know, I think if it comes to it, you, you could do it because, you know, two massive games and we want to get into the quarterfinals. We've prepared, we've prepared well with the, the S&C staff, with the physios, um, with the coaches, um, so the boys know what's coming and it's about now looking after ourselves, um, basically from today going forward, getting uh, the Samoan game, our, our system quickly in terms of physically um, and moving on. Uh, that getting excellent preparation going into that and then we'll probably double up a little bit I would imagine on preparation uh, going forward as well but certainly not looking too far out.
1: So Scotland think they've got the blueprint for winning their last two games but they have got this task of beating Russia with what is likely to be a weakened side because they're going to rest a lot of players. So, what is it that has impressed Law about Russia so far?
7: I think the set piece has been excellent. Uh, you know, the scrummaging are obviously um, strong there. And, I think they're just a the general uh, way they've went about their business. and you know, I think they've really come to enjoy themselves and play rugby and, that, and that's sort of shown through in their performances. And, uh, I thought they played really well against Samoa. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to play well um, to, to, to get the right result.
1: Greg Laidlaw. And if they do play well, you would think they would win comfortably, even although it is unlikely that they're going to go with a flat-out first-choice team, which presents opportunities to young players like Adam Hastings to make his first start of the World Cup. And so I have with me now Scott Hastings, his uncle, also a pundit and former Scotland player, who could tell me how the family are looking forward to it after he came off the bench last week against Samoa.
8: Yeah, you know, he came on for a few minutes, but it was just the fact that he, he can take that one off the list. And uh, Adam undoubtedly has got potential. And what I've always encouraged him as his, un- as his uncle is that you know watch and learn what's happening out there in front of you. So when you do come on the paddock, you can make an influence. There wasn't a chance to make a big influence yesterday, but it was a good experience from him. And uh, you know, it's likely that he might be involved in the Russian game. So he's got to make sure that he uses that experience to kick on in this rugby world cup but a much improved performance from scotland and i was delighted that there was a, a reaction after the debacle up in yokohama
1: yes it was a much improved performance in particular as always with these things the big boys up front did their job and gave the backs the room to play with
8: undoubtedly so and and if you look at the front five you know Gregor Townsend selected the front five that started against he wanted to see a reaction I hope he got that Um, albeit Alan Bell did come off early in the uh, first half but Johnny Grey he didn't prove and and his man of the match performance well I would have given that to Jamie Ritchie because I thought the Scotland back row were there to do a job and they did what they said on the tin because Magnus Bradbury carried the ball so well into the heart of that Samoan pack, uh, tremendous play. Jamie Ritchie added that crucial link play. Uh, some of his turnover and tackle rate uh, work was tremendous. And then Blake Thompson showed that he can live at this international level. I thought the Brown, uh, the three of them really contributed well and negated actually a, a very good uh, Samoan row. And of course, by providing that platform, you know, laid low for all the criticism of his slow service. Uh, managed to get enough ball into Finn Russell. Um, the, the mercurial Russell delivered I felt it once again, but you know, Stuart Hall and Sean Maitland, they showed their experience, Maitland with two tries. Um uh, but also Hobb was I, I thought qu- quite majestic. It, it was it was a commanding performance. It was assured I know he didn't score a try, but when he took his drop goal, it was just a player who was in control of his emotions that day. And you know, well well done Scotland. It wasn't you know the complete performance. I felt it was sloppy in the second half as they tried to seek um, their their fourth bonus point try. But but overall, they've got themselves back into the Rugby World Cup. They've got Russia next, and then perhaps Scotland can think about taking on Japan, the host nation for a quarter final place.
1: Sloppy in the second half, and I'd entirely agree with you, but the stadium there was just ridiculously hot and humid and the, the, the steamy, the ball was very difficult. Was that a, a contributing factor to that?
8: Oh, and, and so. Um, you know, I was just sitting in the commentary box and I went through two or three bottles of water. It, it was very, very humid. And you can see that with the players. When, when the sweat's running down your forearms onto your, onto your hands, it is very difficult to juggle the ball. And the reason I said Scotland got sloppy is that, yes, the opportunity is to pass and to make these sort of 50-50 passes when the ball is dry. But sometimes stick it in the breadbasket, take the contact, pick and drive, get that maw going, and and, and and play a tighter sort of game Until you've seen and and created and pulled the Samoan defence out of position. But at the end of the day, they they did really well because they put Samoa, Scotland put Samoa under pressure that resulted in two penalty tries. And that was through the ill discipline of Samoa. But that was because I think Scotland frustrated Samoa. And one of the biggest pluses yesterday, Lewis, I felt. Was the view on the scoreboard to whitewash a team like Samoa the first time in the history? uh, Was a real statement of intent, and that was, uh, you know, that was a pleasing factor within the game as well.
1: That back row blend, the physicality they brought to the game, was in marked contrast to the performance against Ireland.
8: Certainly was. I spoke with John Buckley yesterday, and you know, whilst he was hugely disappointed to be dropped, he knew that there was going to be a reaction. There had to be a reaction. Magnus Bradbury has been through a roller coaster of emotions. Originally not picked in Gregor Townsend, Mugdu World Cup score. He was brought out here as as injury cover um, originally for Jamie Ritchie, but obviously replaced Ritchie when Hamish Watson got injured. But I must say, Ritchie's um, a a fine player and um, his influence is good. But also Magnus Bradbury... Sorry, we're talking about Magnus Bradbury now. Is that Bradbury... He he showed yesterday that he could be a permanent fixture in that back row. He brought real power to that back row performance. He's a good young lad who I think just needs a little bit of confidence. And you know, the, the fact was he that, that was that was an opportunity to make a statement to Gregory Townsend to say, Hey, I should have been out here in the first place and um He he could now start to build a career in that position if he continues to play in a consistent way as he did. And alongside Richie, alongside Thompson, as you said, Lewis, that blend was very important.
1: And when the ball did go wide, it was good to see the likes of Darcy Graham. Uh, Chris Harris, I thought, had a very good game as well. And obviously, we talked about Sean Maitland and Stuart Hogg, you know, sort of all contributing and... Showing the sort of incisiveness that hasn't always been there in that back
8: division. Yeah, yeah. I think if you if you look at Sean Maitland, first of all, he doesn't have out and out pace, uh, unlike Darcy Graham. But what Maitland does is he, he creates space for others, and he, he's a, cl- a clever footballer. So he knew he was he was struggling to get to the corner for the last penalty try. But when Fido came in with his legs uh, to dislodge the ball. Um, it was clever play by the Scotsman, and also Finn Russell's accuracy on the kicking. Uh, first of all, he went into Darcy Graham's wing. They got the ball back. Maitland had positioned himself so well on the wide left-hand flank, and with pinpoint accuracy, Russell delivered the try to Maitland And he makes he makes an awful lot of good, sensible decisions on the field of play. Darcy, I felt, just didn't have his best game, but still, when he gets the ball, things happen, and and he'll continue to learn on this international rugby field but what he does bring is is a peace and excitement and energy to Scotland every time he gets the ball both in defence and attack Russia next undoubtedly going to be
1: uh, a bundle of changes for that he's going to have to rest most of his key players but uh, what are we expecting from that game?
8: Yeah. This is where the depth of the squad will be solely tested. I think he's got to go into the game uh you know, with, with some serious changes, but he'll he'll put some experience um on the bench as well. He'll you know, he'll have the likes of backup with Laidlaw, uh, I think he'll stick Hogg, you'll have Maitland on the bench, uh Johnny Gray um, and of course the props are always interchangeable, It's a twenty three man game. Um yeah, you know, This is where the, the squad now has to deliver. Um, it's it's up to the, the guys to pull together to come out. And if it's not working, as it, it wasn't working against Ireland, the guys then come off the bench. Really important that they deliver in the second half. But, you know, let, let's be frank, Russia will pose Scotland a test in the set piece and the physicality of the game. They don't have much creativity uh, behind uh, the scrum, but as we've seen in their matches against Samoa, and and japan so far we can create problems and remember we've had a rest so they will be ready to try and take on scotland and and lynn jones is a very good coach um but ultimately scotland and now set the the framework to allow them to move on through this competition Um, they're still going to get four tries they're still going to get points on the board those four tries don't come in the first 20 minutes. Those tries come across 80 minutes. So it's it's going to be fascinating. But the Scotland guys have got a, a few days off now to recover here in Kobe, And then, then then it's down to the hard work once again. And uh, Scotland have proven themselves that over the last week, they've had to dig really deep because they didn't get the Rugby World Cup off to a great start with that performance against Ireland. They showed the reaction. It wasn't a complete performance. But it's all about now setting the framework to move on to the, next game. the way I work it, I've been sitting here poring
1: over permutations. Uh, but in fact, if Scotland probably if Scotland can win the game and make sure Japan don't pick up any bonus points, that puts them both level on points, and Scotland go through in the head-to-head. That uh, that's an
8: enticing prospect for them. It, oh, undoubtedly, and they're going to have to deal with that pressure. And Scotland has to go into this match, you know, with with understanding how to deal with pressure. Um, Ireland lost their shape against Japan, and Japan were galvanised by the home support, as they will be in the uh, Yokohama. But, but there's, there's still a couple of games to come yet. You know, Samoa could pose problems to Japan when they play each other, and. Scotland have got to be wary of the fact that there's a, there's a turnaround process uh, to happen as well. And and what I mean by that is that there's four days between the game, between Russia and uh, and taking on Japan. So a lot of the prep work for the Japan game will have to be done in the early part of the week before the Russian game. But the same token, Greggit Townsend has to keep the focus very much on the Russian game. It's not a pre-given that they go out there and 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 deliver four tries. It should be achievable. Um, maybe I'm just throwing a little bit of caution to the wind at the moment, but it's um, what certainly happened. with this is uh, the World Cup's been fascinating. It's been great for the game, and uh, there's been some outstanding moments not only by the host team, but we Uruguay between Fiji. There was a classic match between Wales and Australia. I thought Wales were magnificent to hold on to the onslaught of Australia. We've seen how good uh, both New Zealand and South Africa can be. So, you know, come the knockout stages, boy, are we in for a treat. Absolutely. And it's been a
1: good World Cup. I and mean, Japan has really hosted this one jolly well. I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed Japan and I thoroughly enjoyed the, the way the Japanese have been able to handle the World Cup.
8: Yeah, the, the efficiency is great. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm about to jump uh, in the Shenzhen Express, which is the bullet train across to Kyoto. It's so easy. Um, we all get by. We try to, well, We don't have much uh, Japanese apart from konnichiwa, which is uh, good morning, and uh, arigato, which is thank you, but um, people are there to help you. Um, you know, I've, I've been a few times. I'm looking forward to visiting the old capital. Um, but, you know, I'm also here to, to work commentating with ITV and, you know, they've been fantastic. Um, you know, I think their coverage back home has been superb. And, um, you know, we've got, uh, we're just so lucky with what we do um, for our employment, Lewis, that, you know, to be a freelance broadcaster, to come to places like this, it's just an absolute joy. I, I feel very privileged. It's, it's next-
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, in fact, in some way, it's certainly a lot less painful.
8: <laughs> no, you're right That At least I can wake up. Uh without a, a sore body, uh, although as I said I was early on, I was out running yesterday so I'm a little bit stiff from yesterday's run, but uh um all, all great fun and uh, you know, there's lots of countries and I'm, I'm commentating on lots of uh, lots of games and travelling right across uh Japan and I'd uh, about to head down to Oika to, to commentate on the versus Uruguay and in France Tonga. So we get a real uh, flavour of this international tournament.
1: And the real flavour of Japan as well, which is you know a big part of it. It's uh, it's just coming to somewhere that is so different from anything we're used to out in the western side of the of the world.
8: Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite difficult to explain to people. It's such a formal uh, society. Uh, everybody's respectful, polite. I think the moral compass here in Japan is, is excellent, uh, and I just like that. Uh, there's a nice. Soft pace to life that here, and uh, you know they're diligent, they're they're efficient, and it's fascinating to see the way they've built their economy. And and standing here, I'm I'm actually standing on what about the uh, 29th floor of the m Crown Plaza, overlooking the harbour front. And if you remember uh, back in 1995, this place was decimated um, by the earthquake, and there was real concerns with the uh, the devastation, but. How they've risen from the ashes and rebuilt their economy uh, with the trade and the poor. It's just it's an incredible story, and I think it's that resilience the Japanese people have that you've got to respect. And as a as, as a nation, or you know, they're just they're just fantastic. I, I must say I've uh, I've enjoyed my experience. Uh, And listen, we've we've still got another month to go. Before I let you go,
1: Scott, just one final question. Do Japan actually need to qualify for the quarterfinals to keep this
8: excitement in the World Cup going? They don't need to, but I tell you, it's well within their grasp. And uh, Scotland are going to have a say whether that happens or not. And uh, the pressure going into that game will be phenomenal uh, for both sets of players. Uh, but one thing is, is that the Japanese people have taken the brave blossoms uh, to the heart. And, you know, that, that's been really important for the game, the growth of the game in Asia. And it's so important that uh, this this great global game of ours reaches new audiences. And I think that's done that in bucket loads uh, during the the World Cup. So, good on them. And, uh, of course, they're just having a taste for the Olympics for uh, 2020 as well, which will, I'm sure will be equally as um, an amazing occasion.
1: Thank you very much for that Scott. I'm sure it will be an amazing occasion. Sadly I doubt very much I'll be out here for that one as well. But that was Scott Hastings, the former Scotland and British and Irish Lions Centre, who of course now is working as a commentator. this out here with the television crews doing their job touring the various games but making sure he gets to all the Scotland games, at which point in the proceedings I'm afraid yet again. Again, the clock has beaten us. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. The Line Out with Lewis Stewart on Rock Sport Radio. Brought to you by Motorpoint
0: Glasgow. Convert your rugby skills into two free tickets to the six nations in Rome. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today and take part in their conversion challenge. Just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74.